So then you are led into the room by two men. One holds the dagger while the other leads you by the noose. The members get to watch as you are led around the room in a ritualistic pattern. And I thought of Vicki Joy Anderson when she talked about, you know, the priests of Asclepius. And there at their temples, if you came to be healed, you had to drink some kind of, you know, hallucinogenic drink. And then they took you down into the crypt and just wandered you around in this labyrinth till you was just lost and the drugs took hold. And that's, you know, if the snakes crawled across you, then you were healed. So as they were talking about being blindfolded and led around and all these you know, different circular patterns and zigzagging back and forth, it's to, to disorient you and get you lost. And that, that's exactly what I thought of. But this symbolizes that you are in a state of darkness. You are ignorant and you are unenlightened. But after a time, the blindfold person must ask to be shown the light. And once again, this is spiritual warfare here. You know, once again, Vicki Joy Anderson, some others that I've talked to, they've explained beautifully how we have laws of nature. Well, they have laws in the spirit realm also that even God and Jesus follow. You know, you have to invite a vampire. You have to invite a demon in to ritual or open doors. Jesus himself cannot come into your heart unless you ask him and give him permission to come in. You must give permission and ask to be shown the light. All things continually lead back to serpents, dragons, fairies, Nephilim, and fallen angels. In the distance looms a mystical mountain. As Mike Kaiser used to say, if it's in the Bible and it's weird, it's probably important. At its peak, a great fire burns, concealing the Prometheus lens. This, this development of this knowledge that's being talked about within the mystery schools. An ancient artifact said to reveal the hidden truth within a deliberately darkened world. There is a hidden history that's been deliberately obfuscated from the peoples of the world. Join us as we travel and explore the vast unknown. It's a hero's journey with dragons to slay, damsels to save, and innumerable treasures to hoard. Torches high. The Smithsonian, they'd call wind of a giant skeleton. They would send their agents out to get it. But it takes courage to move forward, to move out of the shadows, out of the uh, unreality that we think of as reality. We are all on the hero's journey. Mankind has been in contact with and influenced by extraterrestrials. Leave the sitchant mound of bull feathers out of it. You know, look at it from a different perspective. A different perspective. Different perspective. Different perspective. What is happening? What is up? Hold out your glass because we're about to fill it up. Welcome to the Prometheus Lens Podcast. I am your host, Justin, independent researcher and podcaster, and here. We like to use the allegory of the Prometheus lens to take second looks at everything. Well, today we're going to continue our series on Freemasonry. Last episode, we took a deep dive on the Founding Fathers and asked the questions, were they really 
Christians. And we looked at some of the Mason symbology on the, the money, on the architecture at Washington, D.C., and different things like that. So now we're going to ask the question, what is Freemasonry? But if you guys would like to get some reading material and look at this yourself, uh, some suggestions I would like to give you is uh, Freemasonry by Giles Morgan. You know, if you're not afraid to get into esoteric stuff, Albert Pike's Morals and Dogma. If you want to know what they think, what they believe, that's the best way to do it is hear it from the horse's mouth. But of course, always be prayed up, read it with discernment, and just to extract information. And uh, another good one is uh, Fire in the Minds of Men. And that's by a guy named Billington. I think it's James Billington, but I'm not sure. But all those are really great reads on this subject. But it's often said that Freemasonry is one of the oldest surviving secret societies in the world. And its numerous beliefs and its beginnings seem to point towards ancient and esoteric origins. You know, it's been argued that these practices are derived from medieval stonemasons. And that it dates events surrounding the construction of the Temple of Solomon. And this is also connected to ancient mystery cults of Egypt and Babylon. And their first uh, public appearance is the Grand Lodge of England. And this was in 1717. You know, this was seen as a major turning point for the organization. So now they was out, they was about, everybody knew about it. It was no longer such a, a big secret. So they were open to a wider audience and to the public for the very first time. But uh, George Washington, Ben Franklin, and a large majority of the founding fathers were Freemasons. You know, we talked about that in the last episode. But in recent years, there's also been connections made to connect Jack the Ripper to Freemasonry, too. But the only requirement to be a Freemason is that you be at least 18 to 21 years old, quote-unquote freeborn, and believe in a supreme being or deity that they call the Divine Architect. They claim that this is a fraternity of growth, and their quote is, they make good men better. So with face value, you're like, well, who can argue with that, right? They teach brotherly love, relief, and truth. Freemasonry instructs its members through a series of symbolic and allegorical moral lessons, and they are described as degrees. It's been argued that these Masonic principles played a major part in determining the idealized qualities and beliefs upon the Constitution of the United States of America. But they also had a profound influence on the French Revolution as well. And now you hear a lot about lodges, so let's take a look at the lodge. The lodge refers to a group of members, not specifically a building. So some lodge rooms may vary, but do share a core set of characteristics. Number one. It's important that the room of the meeting should be running east to west. Now this is symbolic. Everything is symbolic. So the east to west is supposed to symbolize the coming of the sun. The sun rises in the east and sets in the west. And the sun is the source of life. You know, it gives you uh, heat in the wintertime. It gives you fire to mold metals and create things. And it's also symbolic for knowledge. So that's very important to this lodge. And you will see it's all about enlightenment and wisdom and knowledge. Number two, the worshipful master is always seated in the east corner of the room. 
Members are seated on benches along the south and north wall split into east and west groupings. So I didn't explain the whole east-west thing. Number three, the floor is black and white checkered. Now this is to symbolize good and evil. You know, just like a, a chessboard or a checkerboard. Sometimes some pawns have to be sacrificed for the greater good. So sometimes you might have to do something that seems evil for the greater good. And I've also heard that people say that this is also symbolic for the, the conscious and subconscious mind. Uh, number four, the ceiling often has a depiction of the sun or heavens. And the core of the lodge is seven positions. Now this is also symbolic for the seven planetary spheres. And you'll notice that any lodge, there's always seven steps ascending to the door. Now the lowest of these positions is the Tyler. And the Tyler is basically the inner guard. Next you have junior deacon. Then you have a senior deacon. Then a junior ward. A senior ward. And then you have the worshipful master. So these seven positions make up the core or the, or the backbone of the lodge. These are the the high positions that run the lodge. Now, traditionally, the tiler stood at the door with a ceremonial sword to stop eavesdropping or forced entry into the lodge. The tiler sword often has a wavy blade. And to me, this stood out because I thought of the Garden of Eden. You know, what was put in the way of the Tree of Life? A flaming sword that went this way and that so that kind of just went off in my head as, as I was reading about this. But the inner guard performs the same function as the Tyler, but from inside the room. The other guys babysit this group, and the worshipful master leads the meetings. Now, how many of you guys have heard of the phrase blackballed? You know, oh, they've blackballed me. Or, I've been blackballed. This is a Masonic term. So I'm going to tell you the story, if you don't know, of where this came from. So, to get into a Masonic Lodge, you must be voted into the group. After they have met you a few times, they talk to your friends and your family, co-workers. I'm sure they check your social media accounts now. And if you made it past all that, then your membership would be voted on. So they vote with black and white stones or cubes. A white stone is a vote for yes, and a black stone is a vote for no. But they took this from ancient customs. This is how they voted also. And this is how they cast lots and judgments in ancient times. Now, a lot of modern readers of the Bible miss this connection, but we see it in the book of Revelation. In chapter 2, in verse 17, when Jesus says that he will give them a white stone, and on it written a new name. You are found not guilty at the judgment. That's what this is saying here. So now let's look at the uh, the three degrees of masonry. Number one is the entered apprentice. When you come in, this is the starting level. Then you advance to the second degree. This is called the fellow craft. And then the final one is master mason. Now, Let's go over these rites and rituals that you have to go through 
for these degrees. The first one, when you entered the entered apprentice, you have to go through what's called the right of destitution. Now, once accepted, you took this first quote-unquote step into Freemasonry, the right of destitution. This word destitution is defined as follows. Poverty, so extreme that one lacks the means to provide for oneself. It's a symbolic death, the beginning, or reconstruction. You're required to wear simple clothes, like white cotton trousers, and a shirt provided for the occasion. Then you are blindfolded, or hoodwinked. All money and metals removed from your person, one foot fitted with a slipper, and this is being called slipshot, or slipshotted. The left leg is bare to the knee, the left breast exposed, and a noose fitted around your neck, while a dagger is held to your exposed breast, you know, your heart. You know, this is symbolic that the leg shows no shackles. It shows that you are a free-born man, one of the qualifications for joining the fraternity, and you're not a slave to any dogma or ideology. His heart is open to new revelations and enlightenment. The dagger there, of course, is to show the penalty for not keeping the oaths that he is about to take. So then you are led into the room by two men. One holds the dagger while the other leads you by the noose. The members get to watch as you are led around the room in a ritualistic pattern. And I thought of Vicki Joy Anderson when she talked about, you know, the priests of Asclepius. And there at their temples, if you came to be healed, you had to drink some kind of, you know, hallucinogenic drink. And then they took you down into the crypt and just wandered you around in this labyrinth till you was just lost and the drugs took hold. And then that's, you know, if the snakes crawled across you, then you were healed. So as they were talking about being blindfolded and led around and all these you know, different circular patterns and zigzagging back and forth, it's to, to disorient you and get you lost. And that, that's exactly what I thought of. But this symbolizes that you are in a state of darkness. You are ignorant and you are unenlightened. But after a time, the blindfolded person must ask, to be shown the light. And once again, this is spiritual warfare here. You know, once again, Vicki Joy Anderson, some others that I've talked to, they've explained beautifully how we have laws of nature. Well, they have laws in the spirit realm also that even God and Jesus follow. You know, you have to invite a vampire. You have to invite a demon in through ritual or open doors Jesus himself cannot come into your heart unless you ask him and give him permission to come in. You must give permission and ask to be shown the light. But at this time, you are led east, remember, to the rising sun, where the worshipful master awaits by the altar. And then the blindfold is then removed, and you are shown what's called the great lights that's laid upon the altar. Now, remember the allegory of the cave, how when he first seen the flame that the sun was blinded by this great light. So these great lights are a volume of the sacred law. So it's typically a Bible, 
but it can be whichever holy book of your choice. Then you have the square and compass. But the sacred law is the guide to how they should live their lives. And the square symbolizes the truth and a compass for knowledge and expertise. So some of these uh, Masonic phrases that you may or may not be familiar with or know where they come from is from some of these tools. So example, you know, someone who is reliable and honest is a four square fellow or a square guy or the phrase, I want it fair and square. Someone put me through, you know, a very strenuous ordeal. They would say, man, I was given the third degree today at work. Yeah, the third degree of Freemasonry because it's so hard to obtain. So there's so many of these things that's just embedded in our culture that we just are ignorant of, honestly. I was for a very long time. But then you have the, the Masonic aprons. And at the time of initiation, the member is given their apron. You know, this is a white apron made of lambskin. And we also see this in Mormonism. You know, Mormon men are buried in their aprons, just like Masons. And they believe that this is their covering before God at the Great Judgment, much like the, the covers of God made for Adam and Eve. The colors and badges on these aprons show your degrees and your, your home lodge. You know, kind of think of it as like the Girl Scout apron or the Boy Scout apron that has all the badges. It shows, you know, your pomp, your accomplishments, and kind of like a military uniform. That, that's what this, you know, is. So if we take a look at what they call the, the working tools. But after the apron, he has shown the tools. First is a 24-inch ruler and a stonemason's hammer known as the common gavel. Now the symbolism behind this ruler is that it divides up into three equal sections or degrees. And this is how one should divide up his day. Hey guys, if you enjoyed that episode, I encourage you to head on over to PrometheusLensPodcast.com and sign up for our all-access pass. It's 10 bucks a month, comes at the 33 cents a day. It gets you 48-hour early access to all episodes, members-only episodes, access to the private community, and that comes with monthly uh, Q&As and member chats. So we talk with authors and other great speakers, and you guys get to ask them your questions every single month we also offer a smaller tier package that is just four dollars a month and with that that gets you access to the 48 hour early access the monthly chats and the q a's the only thing that does not get you is the members only episodes like the one you just saw but if you enjoyed that head on over sign up it's quick it's easy and get access to not only this episode that you just saw, but many, many other great exclusive content. Torches high.